Welcome back to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. We've returned from our summer vacation. Megan and I have racked up a lot of airline miles. I went out to California for 11 days. Megan took a long weekend to Colorado. And in that time, literally nothing has happened. Absolutely (laughs) nothing. I came back from a week being away of not being on my phone and had one new work email. I was looking through and there is exactly one item of news on our agenda, a single thing. But at least the new semester has started. We are getting closer to the new season. Looks like it's going to be a normal season. And with that, the return of neutral games, not in a bubble at Mohegan Sun, are back. The final addition to UConn women's basketball's non-conference schedule, the Huskies will play UCLA at the Prudential Center in Newark on December 11th at 1 p.m. in a doubleheader with the men's team. Apparently, this is like the first doubleheader that the men's and women's team has played in like 20 years or something. Didn't they play a doubleheader at Madison Square Garden a couple years ago, or am I completely misremembering that? I feel like you're misremembering that because I don't remember the woman ever playing at MSG in the last few years because I think I've been to every MSG game that's happened in the last few years, and I don't think the woman have been involved. I think 2016, they played Maryland there, and I want to say that Sanaya Chong hit, like, not a game-winning shot, but, like, a game-clinching three-pointer with, like, a minute left. I think that was at MSG. I'm not going to look it up because it doesn't matter, but I I was thinking that there was an MSG game, so that must be the only time... Obviously, it's a good opponent, Pac-12. I'm not going to lie and say, oh, yeah, I can't wait to get down to Newark. That's going to be just a great place to watch a game. I think it will be a fun atmosphere with both the teams playing. UConn's, obviously, UConn's the first game. (laughs) UConn women's basketball is the first game against UCLA. I won't be on on ABC. They had a little national television, dipped dipped their toe into national television last year against DePaul. I think the Iowa game might have been on ABC, too, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it was, yeah. So kind of a big deal. I think one of the first regular season games that's going to be on ABC. So pretty big right. deal for that. And the men's game isn't even on ABC or isn't <laughs> even on national television. Well, is ESPN2 national television? Yeah. It might be. I guess but, <laughs> Okay, but like not network television. There we right. go. That was the word I was looking for. The men will play St. Bonaventure at 3.30 or 4. I don't know what that means. <laughs> there's two different times when it's a double header just say three thirty. like there's yeah. not going to be people who are like oh man i have to watch the end of this other basketball game that i didn't pay for before i watched the basketball game that like people aren't going to be mad just pick a time i don't know yep. i thought that was kind of weird <laughs> anyways yeah not excited about newark i've never been to the prudential center so i can't actually judge how nice it is but just driving to new jersey sucks Going past New York sucks. That's just going to be not a fun trip. Yeah. As someone that's been seven months basically in Newark for work a couple of years ago, not the funnest place in the world. Um, so, yeah, not ecstatic that the game is in Newark. Wish that they were doing it like at MSG or at Barclays or something in the city. I think that would have been the better environment, but it is what it is. I'm very excited that the last game on the schedule is UCLA. I think it's a, it's a great addition to the schedule. In last week's weekly, I ranked UConn's non-conference opponents by the least interesting to the most interesting. And I should add the disclaimer that it was my opinion of the most interesting to the least interesting. Because after it came out, Megan messages me and she goes, hey, you're a friggin' idiot. All of your (laughs) rankings are wrong and I need to yell at you on the pod about it. Those were her exact (laughs) words. I, I was very stunned. I was like, oh my God, like, what is this language? But look, 
that's what she said. So my rankings, let's start with those because apparently because they were so terrible, starting with number nine. And I actually should note first that I didn't have USF slash or Syracuse, the possible second game of the battle for Atlantis on here, just because those are two very different teams to attempt to put in one spot. USF, I think I would have thrown an eighth. No, no, USF, I would have put in ninth because Minnesota then would have been 10th. And then Syracuse, I would have put in 10th because I'm not actually sure that they have a basketball team. <laughs> I know the entire team transferred out and their coach quit. So I don't know if they've replaced them. That's still to be de- determined, but that's where I would have put them. So then the rest of my list goes Minnesota at number nine because they're really just not that good of a team. And even though they are coached by Lindsey Whalen, I just don't think it's going to be all that competitive of a game, which is kind of what you would expect in one of those early season tournament opening games. Number eight, I have Georgia Tech, who coming off a trip to the Sweet 16, Olivia Nelson Adota's homecoming, that's going to add to the storylines going in, should be another NCAA tournament team again this year. They return most of their players from last year, and it's going to be on the road, so that should be a tough game. But just in terms of like excitement, I don't think people are going to be circling on their schedule Georgia Tech. I really just don't think that's going to be happening, even though it is a pretty solid opponent. Number seven, I have Notre Dame. If we're just doing basketball, I think I probably would have thrown Notre Dame eighth because they might be better. And I don't want to say too many things about bad things about Notre Dame because Sam Brunel follows me on Twitter. And I assume she's just obviously a huge fan of chasing perfection because of that. (laughs) But they're just they're probably going to be like a firmly mediocre team to maybe like a bubble team for the NCAA tournament. They're not going to give UConn any trouble. I think it's going to be on the road if I'm not mistaken, but I don't, I just don't foresee UConn having any issues there. And it's just not the same rivalry without Muffet McGraw there. I can't imagine Neil Ivy and Gino are going to be getting into sparring matches through the media. That's probably just not going to happen. Tennessee's at number six. I actually thought about this one a lot because Tennessee gets a lot of national media coverage, which I think is good for the sport. And it's always a game with at least some buzz around it. And last year's game was very entertaining, but I just think UConn's going to be a lot better. I think Tennessee will probably be around the same level as they were last year, maybe a bit better. This is the second time they're playing back in Connecticut. So I don't think there's really going to be that anticipation like there was when this was the first time they played in however many years back in 2020. So I have them at number six, number five, I have Oregon because I think this is going to be a sneaky, tough matchup for UConn going cross country for a trip on its own. It's not like they have a West coast swing. Like they sometimes do. It's going to be out to Oregon and back. That's a tough trip. Having just gone cross country 11 days apart, I can't imagine what doing it a lot closer is going to do. They finished 15th last year in the AP poll, so they're a good team. They had the top-ranked recruiting class in the class of 2020 last year, so they're only going to be sophomores this year. Going to be a lot better than they were last year. It's also going to be Avina Westbrook's homecoming, something she absolutely deserves a ton because it's just been a very tough college career for her. A lot of things out of her control that have happened, so hopefully this is going to be kind of a celebration for her. Number four, I have UCLA because I think that's a good opponent. I was a little underwhelmed looking at them, at least on paper. I know Megan definitely has some different thoughts about this one, but a pac 12 opponent is always pretty good. Number three, I have Arkansas. 
really, I don't think this has much to do with Arkansas because <laughs> yeah, they're still a good team. They're going to be tough to play against, but they don't have Chelsea Dungey. They don't have destiny Slocum. Those two aren't going to give you con or Arkansas is not going to give you con much trouble without those two. They do have a freshman named Jersey Wolfenbarger, which might be the best name in women's college basketball. I don't have a full list of the great names in front of me, but that one's pretty good. Number two, I have Louisville because first, anything that involves Jeff Walls and Gino is going to be entertaining. They always have really good press conferences before and after the games. And also, it's going to be Paige Beckers versus Haley Van Leith. That's just going to draw comparisons left and right. And if one of them has a better game, which it's probably going to be Paige Beckers, let's be honest, then it's just going to be a big talking point, that battle between those two. And then number one, South Carolina. I don't know how much I have to explain this one. So Megan, why am I stupid? Which ones did I get wrong? So I agree with you on one and nine and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Wow. Really good start. Yeah. So I did take a, a definitely a stronger like basketball specific view to it. So some of like the, the anecdotal stuff I did leave out of what I was doing it, which is partially why I don't have Louisville at two, even though I do love a good Jeff Walls press conference so <laughs> i have oregon at number two though i think you are underestimating this oregon team they were solid last year and they struggled with injuries a lot last year so sedona prince had injuries that kept her out for part of the season nayara Savoli, who is satu Savoli, who's in the WNBA now her younger sister also struggled with injuries and then they were without their fresh star freshman tina tahina pow pow in the ncaa tournament due to injuries so if i think if oregon can stay healthy they're going to be a really really good team this year he finished last season ranked like I think 15th in the country dealing with yep. all those injuries some of those players especially Pow Pow was just a freshman she's going to get even better also in contention for like one of the best names in college basketball that is um, yes <laughs> but yeah just I think a team that has the right pieces couldn't really get the timing with their injuries right last season but is going to be very solid this season gonna I think Stanford's going to kind of run away with the Pac-12 but I would probably put them in contention for a second in the Pac-12, which is still going to be really good in one of the best conferences in the country. So I would have Oregon at number two. Okay. But I, I also, I said that Oregon was going to be tough. I didn't deny that fact. I just had like, <laughs> this is the thing. We just have different <laughs> ways that we're ranking them, but like I said, Oregon's going to be a good team. I don't deny yeah. that. <laughs> that's fair. I just think like, if you guys are going to lose a game on the schedule that's not to South Carolina, I would probably pick Oregon first. So that's okay. that, so I'd put them second, yeah. Okay, I think that's fair. Also, I, I just realized I'm looking at my article now. I never made my like full point on Arkansas. My full point was that this is probably going to be the first game, at least with fans. I'm kind of giving up the hope on this being a game with full capacity <laughs> since COVID happened. That's mostly why I have Arkansas at number three. Anyways. Okay, okay. That That is all fair. It is did not come into my consideration of Arkansas. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll explain why we won't get put to them for a while. Um, so number three, I have UCLA. You you said like when you look at them on paper last year, you were impressed. I'm not surprised. I feel like they were a team last year that just had the worst possible luck. They should have, honestly, in my opinion, had they had their full roster, they might've been a final four team last year. Hmm. They did not have their full roster. They, they had two freshmen that were supposed to come from Australia that were never allowed in the country thanks to COVID protocols. Um, and then they had also Cameron Brown down with injuries, like all their players that suffered with um, some injuries and left them out throughout the season. They basically never had more than two players that could come off the bench all season long. So they were struggling a bit with their lineup there. But overall, I think they lose 
Mikhail Anyaway, who is probably going to win Rookie of the Year in the WNBA. So that's a big blow to them. But they still bring back a lot of experience on a team that was really solid in the Pac-12, despite the fact that they had basically two players that could come off the bench all season long. And then they also have Charisma Osborne in their backcourt, who's going to be a junior this season, really fun player. I think she's going to give UConn's backcourt a little bit of trouble. I think that's going to be a good matchup. And I also just feel like, I think you hit on this a little bit in your article that like they're kind of one of those teams that hasn't made a final four yet, but they're definitely been up there for a while. I think you see UCLA's name on pretty much like all of these recruits for 2022, like these shortlists or 20, yeah, 2022, these shortlists that are coming out. UCLA is on a lot of those lists. Corey Close just coached the U19 um, World Cup team. So like, I think they're on the up in terms of a program. Like I think we're gonna, maybe not this year, but I don't think it's that long before we see them in a final four. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know who would be better than them as a program that hasn't been to a final four. They've gotten to the Elite Eight twice. UConn, they almost upset UConn in the Sweet 16. I want to say that was 2019, right? Yep. Yeah, I remember it being there. So yeah, 2019 in Albany. Yeah, I think that was the game Christian Williams almost killed me. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you remember watching the NCAA tournament game where Kristen Williams went over the table on the sideline and then wondered why the hell that guy wasn't helping him sitting right next to them, that was me. That, that was me. That is still the header of my Twitter profile i don't think i can ever change that because yeah. unless someone tries to run me over again like i feel like that one's kind of got to stay forever fair enough actually wait no i need to go on a very small tangent uh about that story because i don't think we've ever discussed this live on the podcast <laughs> so the way the ncaa tournament works for media is that there's gino and then i forget what it is two maybe three players that go up to the podium so there's the press conference at the podium, but then the exact moment that starts, the locker room opens up and you have, I can't think of what the exact time frame is right now, but maybe 15 minutes where the locker room is open and you can talk to whoever you want. And it's a lot easier to get questions in and get quotes from players when you're not having to ask for the mic, ask it in front of everyone, that sort of thing. So what we normally do at least the Yukon blog is Ian, our photographer will set up his video camera. He'll just have that thing aimed on the press presser. And then we'll use the audio later for that. And the NCAA types up quotes for that. So you, unless there's like a burning question, you have to ask Gino that you don't think anyone else is going to ask. Usually I go to the locker room. So I go into the locker room. I talk with like the two or three people that I needed to talk to. And we're just waiting for the players from the podium to come back so we can get them. So it's kind of like an L-shaped locker room in Albany. And I want to say it was Kyla Irwin, Molly Bent, and Batuli Kamara were all sitting like on this one bench and they were watching whatever game was going on. And I'm just kind of standing there in the middle waiting. And Molly Bent looks at me, turns, looks at me and goes, we thought Kristen was dead because of you. <laughs> and I went, what are you talking about? And they go, well, she goes over the table and we couldn't see anything except your face, which just had this horrified look on it. So we just assumed the worst, like, oh my God, Kristen's bleeding. Like she broke something. And then she just kind of jumped up over the table and was fine. And then like Kyla chimed in. She was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like you look more, you look mortified. Like, and all of them are just roasting me for my, the look that I had on my face after she went over the table next to me. So that was, that was really funny. <laughs> I don't think we've ever talked about that story. So that was good. 
no. <laughs> good side. Yeah. I still, still have people tell me like, why didn't you catch her? Like, okay. Kristen Williams was fine. Like the way it worked out was perfect. Like if I tried to catch her, I, she could have like twisted and then dislocated a shoulder or landed on her head. Um, she did get showered with, I want to say it was Sprite from <laughs> one of the guys in the row behind us, but yeah, she goes over the table, like lands on the chair next to me, which was empty. And like, she's just laying there and I'm like, are you okay? Like, I like hold out my hand to help her. And she's just on the ground and she's laying there looking down. And then I just hear, <laughs> and she pops up and jumps back over the table. I feel like that's the most Kristen Williams reaction possible. <laughs> just, <laughs> and then, <laughs> it was like, I, she didn't move. Like she landed and she didn't move. And I'm like, oh my God. Like I, <laughs> I was mortified. And then um, I was, so there was my seat and then there was like a blank seat. And then I think Bob Joyce radio voice of the Huskies, obviously friend of the program was the seat over from me. And all of a sudden I just start hearing my voice from him, but like it's loud in the arena. So I can't hear anything, but I'm just catching my name. And Bob keeps looking at me and I want to be like, dude, are you like, are, are you like saying that I should have caught her? Or are you just saying that I'm sitting right here? Like we, we, we might need to discuss some things depending on which one this is. <laughs> yeah. If, if that is my Kristen Williams almost ran me over story, <laughs> very glad she was one over. And uh, to my defense of why I didn't catch her, I really thought she was going to grab her, like stay up on the table. Like she got to the table and it kind of seemed like she was just going to catch herself on it. And then she continued forward over. So <laughs> I was very unprepared. Like I really thought she was going to be all, all good once she got to the table. Yeah, I feel like it all happened so fast too. It's hard to catch someone. It probably would it have did. just done more damage. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I always used to joke like, oh yeah, I hope someone like runs me over someday. Then I get on TV and then it was the AAC tournament and I'm fairly confident it was Batuli Kamara who is very big and very strong. Almost <laughs> did that, like got to the end line and managed to catch herself. But she was like directly in front of me. She would have broken many bones in my body. <laughs> So yeah, once that happened, I was very confident that I, I'm, I'm all set there. I don't need that to happen again. I don't need someone to fall next to me again. <laughs> I, I've had that enough experience there for one lifetime. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyways, back to our original yes. conversation before we got off on this tangent. <laughs> I think you had loose, Lucy LA, UCLA at number three. Yep. Yep. At number three. So yeah, talked about that. So four, I have Tennessee at number four because part of this is I'm not that high in the ACC, which is we'll get to in a second, <laughs> but um, also just because they're in the SEC, they were a solid team last year. I think it definitely hurts that they lose Renai Davis, but they bring back a, a few good play pieces in Ray Burrell, Tamari Key, Jordan Hurston. So I think they're still going to be a solid team. I think that they've been a team that's kind of they obviously took a kind of bit of a dip and now are kind of a consistent tournament team. I think another, a team that's going to be a tournament team once again this year. So, and then you add in, of course, like the national attention that this team will get because of the old rivalry. I think it's going to be probably the best home game. Best. Yeah. That's home this year. So yeah, best non-conference home game on the schedule. So I, I would put it at number four. Yeah, that's fair. A little bit of an underwhelming home schedule. I yeah. would say. Actually, is Notre Dame at home? 
Notre Dame is home. It's Tennessee, Notre Dame, and Arkansas, I believe, that are home. So kind of an underwhelming home right. schedule. Well, I'm just – I was trying to think of what the cycle is because the last time they played, right, was at home when UConn killed them? Yeah, that was that was the last time they played. So it must have been – like I wasn't sure if they were pushing the series back so that this year was away or if last year's game that got canceled or moved. So I think that one jumps to the end of the series. So yeah, is is it going to be two straight homes for Notre Dame? Uh, I don't know. We don't need to figure this yeah. out right now. But, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I guess it is two straight homes. But I didn't really think about that. But I feel like we've heard over and over again that it's going to be home. For some yeah, reason. no, this this definitely is going to be at home. I think Anna, the uh, SID for UConn women's basketball, I think in one of these schedule emails, she sent out like who's home and who's away and yeah. that sort of thing at the bottom. So I'm... I'm very confident this one's at home. I just couldn't think of it for a second. That's fair. Number five, this is where my hot takes on the ACC start because I have <laughs> Georgia Tech at number five. Ooh. <laughs> I think that Georgia Tech is going to be better than Louisville in the ACC this year. I think I think NC State is going to win the ACC. But I, I feel like the ACC had a down year last year. I feel like that's going to continue this year. Georgia Tech, though, I mean, they were finished third in the ACC last year just narrowly avoided losing to, or just narrowly missed winning over NC State in the ACC tournament, made it to the Sweet 16. They returned like virtually everything. I think there's one player that came off the bench and played like nine minutes a game that doesn't come back. That's it. They bring literally everything else back. So they have a very experienced squad. It all comes back. They were a really solid team last year. I think they're going to be the second best team in the ACC this year. So I have them above Louisville. I realize that Louisville is the big name that's going to get the attention in terms of games for UConn, but I actually do think that Georgia Tech is going to be the better team. So I have them at five. Didn't they almost upset South Carolina in the NCAA tournament too? They did. They did. Yes, that was a great game. Um, so yeah, people will not be circling Georgia Tech on their schedules, but they should be circling Georgia Tech on the schedule. <laughs> right. Well, I remember when this game got scheduled because, I mean, you assume that if they're going to play down at Georgia, it's either going to be Georgia or Georgia Tech. And I remember being just a little surprised that it was Georgia Tech instead of Georgia, because obviously Georgia had a, not a great year, but a, a pretty good year last yeah. year. They should only be getting better under Joni Taylor. So I was a little confused, like, why are you picking the weaker team? And I'm not actually sure that they picked the the weaker team. Georgia Tech might be the better one there. Yeah, I feel, still feel like Georgia's the better team. I think they are a better team because the SEC is stronger. So where they stand in the SEC, I think, is a, is a stronger position. But yeah, Georgia Tech is not by no means like a, a cakewalk game. I think it's going to, they're still going to be a challenge for UConn. It should be a good game. Yeah, that makes sense. That was number five for you, right? Yeah, number five. So number six, I have Louisville, which I feel like people's eyes are probably about popping out of their heads at this point for me having like Louisville all the way down at number six. But I just feel like this was Dana Evans' team last year. Like there was a lot of games that Louisville won last year because Dana Evans put the team on her back and scored 25 points. It's the only reason they made it as far in the NCAA tournament as they did last year. And they they don't have Dana Evans anymore. They lost their point guard. They're kind of like really the person that ran that team last season. They've also lost Elizabeth Dalgan, who – I think was a big leader on that team, even though her, maybe her stats don't shine as much. Another kind of big loss for them. I think you're right that, you know, Haley Von Leifbrook is versus Paige Beckers is the storyline here, but I think it's going to take Von Leith a little bit of time to kind of, this is going to become her team, but it's going to take some time for her to get there. Dana Evans was their point guard. That role is probably going to shift to her quite a bit. 
I think it's going to take some time for her to adjust to that and not she's not going to be playing off the ball as much as she did last year. This game is early in the season. I don't think that they're like going to be adjusted in there yet at that point. And I just I also just think that like Dana Evans is a really, really big loss for this team. And I think it's it's going to take some time to adjust. Right. Especially when Van Leith is only a sophomore, it would be different if she had been more of an established player and it's a cleaner handoff. But I mean, Van Leith was good last year, but she wasn't really anywhere at the level of Caitlin Clark and Paige Beckers, which to be fair, nobody was outside of those two. Even still, that's a big jump for anyone to make from freshman to sophomore year, especially when, as you were kind of saying, the talent level around her isn't exactly going to be UConn, South Carolina, or Stanford levels. Like, I my sense, right, from what you're saying is she's kind of going to have to carry the team a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they still have, they have a couple other pieces. Olivia Cochran, who was their freshman that played in the post last year that bring they bring back she was really solid last season but agreed it's just it's not the same level of talent around her as you're going to see on a UConn South Carolina Stanford any of you even like a Maryland like just it's just not at the same level so I think it's going to take some time I don't think like Louisville is like on a downward spiral or, or anything they still have lots of good talent but I don't know that this is going to be their year I think they're kind of emblematic of one of those programs that they're capable of being national championship contenders, as we've seen from them getting to the national championship game multiple times before losing to UConn and getting to the final four on a consistent basis. But they seem to have the waves more so than most other like big, big programs because they go through stretches where they're not really much of a factor. And then they kind of hit that peak for a year or two and then come back down. Whereas obviously UConn's always up. Even South Carolina, since they won that first national championship, they've stayed up for the most part, been in the final four, I think every single year, most years, obviously that 2020 COVID championship, how can you forget that one for South Carolina? But yeah, they just seem to be a little more volatile than other top programs. Yeah, I would agree with that. So I think this is one of those, I think, kind of quote unquote down years for them. I I still think they're going to be good, but I just think especially at the time that you can place them in December, it's, it's not going to be that much of a challenge. Right. Especially we're going to call it a neutral site game everywhere. It's a home <laughs> game. Any yeah. game at Mohegan <laughs> Sun is a home game. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, the game in Newark is a home game too. Like you yeah. call it whatever you want. It's still a home game. <laughs> I do wonder if, the, if this is just the way that it worked out or if, UConn, I don't even know if UConn could have influenced this, but UConn women's basketball being the first game when they're playing a West Coast team compared to the men playing, I actually have no idea where St. Bonaventures is. I just know that it's <laughs> generally in the Northeast. I, I, I want to say either like upstate New York or like way out there, Pennsylvania. I feel like it's one of those two. Um, <laughs> please do not quote me on that, but it's going to be a 10 a.m. tip pacific time for ucla i don't know how early they're going to come out for that how early they even can come out for that it's not like you're going to be at christmas break at that point so i think shoot around usually starts really early so like a one o'clock game i think they might be at the gym before eight i don't know i'm, I'm not an expert there but i know they usually get there in the morning so you see if it is eight UCLA might be doing shoot around at 5 AM for their bodies, which means they're going to be waking up even earlier. That I think just alone is going to be an advantage for UConn. 
in addition to the fact that that crowd is going to be, I'm going to guess 95% UConn, maybe very conservatively 90%, but it's, it's going to be an all UConn crowd pretty much. Yeah, that's fair. I actually think it may be like, um, what you call it? Break for UCLA though. Cause they're on quarters. Yeah. Yep. They're on, a, they're on a weird schedule. So they may actually be on break, which might help them out a little bit and that they can come out to the East coast a little bit earlier to prepare for that. But agreed. I feel like it's an odd choice to have them play. I guess you got that ABC time slot. So that might be Oh yeah, there we go. Too, but yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. your answer right there. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it was mostly dictated by that that ABC spot. <laughs> All right, we are getting down into the final stretch. I believe you're at number seven. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I have Arkansas at number seven. I mean, like you said, like yes, they lost to Arkansas last season. Yes, it's going to be the first like home game, so that'll be exciting. But I feel like without Chelsea Dundee and without Destiny Slocum, this team is just, it's not that exciting. <laughs> um, I mean, they do bring back Amber Ramirez, who was a solid player. She'll probably be the leader of this team, but I think that's just a very different situation than when you had like someone like Chelsea Dungey who can drop 30 points on you in a night. I don't really think there's someone on the Arkansas team that's going to do that. Um, and like you said, they do have a great freshman, but this game is going to be the first game of the season. So uh, how great that freshman is going to be, unless she's like Paige Becker's level, which I don't think she is on um, November 14th is probably not going to be much of a factor. So I just see this kind of being a, not a fully easy win, but like a, a pretty close to a win first game for UConn. Well, also, if it is a full capacity game, that crowd is going to be unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Like UConn could probably play the Monstars and win by 50 in that yeah. game, just <laughs> off the crowd alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so add that into all that just yeah I don't find it I think it's going to be that close of game which is fine because everyone wants a big win for the first home game and to see action from a lot more players than they might if it was a close game so it's all okay. yeah it, this is like the exact type of game that we were kind of saying that they should get for their opener where it's a name opponent that's not actually that good that you're still going to be probably pretty yeah. comfortably like Cal was two or three years in a row exactly <laughs> So that leaves at number eight, Notre Dame. I feel like no real surprise there. They're just, I mean, they didn't make the tournament last year. They're getting better. They bring in Olivia Miles as a freshman who I think is going to be a really good addition for this team, but I think it's still going to take a little bit. So I think they'll be back eventually and there will be good games with Notre Dame on the schedule again, but this year is not going to be that year. Yeah, no, I this I just don't feel like this rivalry has any juice like obviously they haven't played since Muffet retired but the whole part of this rivalry for the most part was that there was always something on the line and like in the Big East it was usually a Big East title or like whoever won those games in the regular season most of the time was the Big East regular season champion then it was pretty much guaranteed that they were going to meet in the Big East title game so there was that they seem to meet in the final four every year. And then even after they were no longer in the same conferences, that regular season game very often decided who would be number one and who would be number two in the country. Not every time, but a lot of the more recent times before Notre Dame really fell off a cliff. What's really this. I just don't feel like it's ever going to have that same spark. Like Tennessee was so much about like the, the coaches and I don't really want to say the cultural differences, but like they were clearly very different programs. Like 
I feel like Notre Dame was way more strictly just about basketball compared to Tennessee. Yeah, exactly. And I think when you lose, well, the fact that Notre Dame's not at that level, not that they can't go back to the, that level, they certainly can. And then also, I mean, a lot of it was Gino and Muffet, and without Muffet, that mm-hmm. part goes away. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, maybe that'll change by the time that it comes around in the end of the cycle, which I think still has three games left, but I, don't, I just can't really get up for it that much right now. Yeah, exactly. I think it's kind of one of those, which is easy wild schedule, <laughs> I, I, which like is kind of crazy because if I'm not mistaken, didn't we ask Meg Como who she hates more Tennessee or Notre Dame? And she said, Notre Dame. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's like a sizable portion of the Yukon fan base that would say Notre Dame. So the fact that like, I don't know, maybe this is just us and the actual fan base feels different, but I just can't imagine there's like, oh yeah, Notre Dame's back. Woo. Like last year when the game got moved, it was like, oh yeah, we were going to play Notre Dame. That's right. All right. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't know for me, like even if I like think about it from a fan point of view, like there's really not that much. I mean, like, yeah, is it fun to beat Notre Dame by 30? Sure. But like it without like it being a competitive game, it kind of just takes the fun out of it. You're like, yeah, we're going to beat them by 30, whatever. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Even if you hate them, I feel like it it just it takes some of the joy out of it to have it just be like a beat down instead of a good game. (laughs) Right. Like, is Marina Mabry gonna be throwing hissy fits because she's not getting every call? No. (laughs) Is Arika Gumbawale gonna try and take someone's head off and then refuse to shake Gino's hand? No. That That was a fun one. That that was I think that was the same game, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. It was it was like that game, Kristen and a, Olivia's yeah. freshman year, because Kristen, like, went off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, like, I remember Liv had this, like, huge block on Marina yeah. Mabry, yes. and Marina Mabry's just sitting on the ground, like, looking for the foul, and, like, she slaps the floor, and right as she slaps the floor, like, the camera cut just, like, perfectly, and then, yeah, it was, like, I think it was, like, a minute left where Arike tried to take Crystal's head off, yeah. and then I don't remember the exact the exact circumstances of the handshake but was it she just walked by gino or did gino try and say something to her and she like blew him off i feel like her and gino had exchanged some words after the incident with Kristen. oh and then yeah yeah, she would have shake his hand in the in the line or something like that (laughs) right and then uh what was her face the uh her last name was an animal no, Jessica Shepard. I was close. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Last like, name was um, Then, like, Jessica Shepard, like, apologized to Gino for Arike, like, immediately afterwards. If you watch the video back, like, <laughs> Arike goes by and then, like, um, Shepard looks and then, like, says something to Gino and kind of points and then continues going. <laughs> so, yeah, I, that was that, was, that was a wild game. That was, like, a... <laughs> That obviously wasn't the end of the rivalry because then Notre Dame beat them in the final four later on. But like that was if, I mean, both those games were really good in terms of basketball, but like, so that year specifically was a really good year to end the rivalry on at least. Whereas like the Tennessee one just kind of went out with a whimper because UConn was in the dark ages. Anyways, Minnesota is your number nine. Yep. So back to the (laughs) two things that we agree on. (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) where would you put USF in your list? And then assuming that they have a team, where do you put Syracuse? USF, 
I would probably put them at seven, so below, right below Louisville. I think. I mean, like UConn's always going to beat them, but they still mm-hmm. have a solid team. They had they played some teams that they like. I think they gave Baylor. They might have even beat Baylor early in the season last year. I can't remember. They at yeah, least gave them a run right. for the money if they didn't beat them. So they usually have a solid team. Like UConn's used to them, they're going to beat them. But I d- I do think that they're a solid program. Syracuse. I mean, I literally don't even know who's like on the Syracuse roster. <laughs> like, is there even a team? I feel like you have to put them at like ten because I'm just like, who, who's the coach? Who's the team? I have no idea. <laughs> I, what school was it that that I said didn't exist last year? Was it UCLA? Yeah, <laughs> I think it was. Okay. <laughs> um, my new bit is going to be that Syracuse is absolutely not a real team. Like they paid actors to go out there and play basketball this year. There's absolutely no chance they recruited an act, a full basketball roster. Um, so they have, yeah. I'm on their website right now and there are like 10 players listed on this roster. I have no idea who any of them are, but <laughs> there are like 10 players. Most of them are pretty young. <laughs> One players from La Jolla County day school in California. And that's probably La Jolla. La Jolla, I think. La Jolla. Okay. That sounds a lot better. (laughs) Um, I want to say, I think that's where Brea Cunningham's from, who just put UConn in her list of finalists. I think she's 2023. I know I've seen that school before. See, it it doesn't say like where these players transferred from because they have way too many. Yeah. They have two walkers and two cars. Sorry. I just needed to. Yeah, I know. And And they're not related. Yeah. One of those cars. (laughs) transferred from i think texas tech or one of the texas schools like i recognize the name but i, I don't know if it's chrislin or christiana they're, they're too similar i think it might be christiana i think she's like from kansas and was at one of the texas schools but they don't have either of them have bios here. <laughs> yeah does anyone on this team have a bio because if not <laughs> then like my theory yeah okay we're through four players and none of them have bios <laughs> actually three players actually just have photos so those must be ones that came back, right? Yeah. So they're returning three whole players. <laughs> yeah, you can't tell me that Nia Wilson is not a paid actor. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. They do apparently have a coach. So this is news to me. Oh, acting head coach. I'm not even a real coach. <laughs> the Lou Spanos of Syracuse women's basketball. Pretty wild that since we last uh, podcasted, Randy Edsel got fired. Oh my god! <laughs> and uh, we, a... are, we are, we are, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm. I was just gonna say that for the historical record, we are podcasting after week one of the college football season, and our, our last <laughs> podcast was about like three weeks before the season started. Yeah. <laughs> that was so. I was in, like you were saying, I was in Colorado, and so I'd seen on was it Sunday that he had announced his retirement and then of course had like no service all day in Rocky Mountain National Park <laughs> on Monday and we got service back for like five minutes for me and my friend was like the one text that came through was like the WFSB alert that Randy Hetzel was stepping down effective <laughs> immediately <laughs> yeah I like both times because I mean it's, it's Labor Day weekend so normally during the week for most of the week like when I wake up to maybe a couple hours before I go to bed, I have just my phone not on do not disturb. So that like texts and stuff come through. So I see news when it happens, but it's Memorial day weekend. I wasn't really expecting anything. I don't think we're going to be getting any women's basketball news for a little while. I was out like somewhere. I 
like just not out, but like I wasn't anywhere near my phone. So when I walked back, I looked and I just saw a bunch of messages in our Slack. And one of them I caught like about Randy Edsel. I'm like, oh my God, did Randy Edsel get fired? And then I opened it and it's like, oh wow, he's retiring at the end of the season. Okay. That's like, yeah. Okay. You're retiring at the end of the season. Good one. Um, So then that was Sunday, right? So then Monday, same thing, like not really near my phone. I think I went for a swim and I get out of the water, come up and I see a text from one of my friends that said like, Randy Edsel like is stepping down. And I was very confused because we had texted the day before about how he was retiring. So like, (laughs) I couldn't figure out why he was texting me again about it when we had already discussed it. And then I saw that he stepped down and I was like, Oh my God, like where did that come from? Like you don't expect a coach to announce he's retiring at the end of the season one day. And then that just kidding. Get, get out now. The I mean, next I feel like, day. Yeah. I feel like someone told him to get out now after he lost the Holy Cross. Like that's just embarrassing. Yeah. No, that would be, what would even be the Yukon equivalent? Like the Yukon women's basketball equivalent to losing to Holy Cross. Like, would have to losing. be like losing to like the whatever like the worst team in basketball was last year. Like it's it's just yeah. I don't think it would they, be that. Yeah, it would be like okay. losing to a good mid major, but like a mid major they shouldn't be losing to. So like, I want to say, and they like actually lost the game to like Tulane or something like that. I still don't even know if it like it would be that shocking because. Like, I don't know if there is a comparison, honestly. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I feel like football losing to, even though, like, they shouldn't lose the Holy Cross, like, in my opinion, the football team losing is not really shocking news. (laughs) Right. Like, (laughs) it was, okay, we should beat Holy Cross. I'm not expecting them to beat Holy Cross. Yeah. (laughs) It's just a different set of expectations with that. Yeah, exactly. It makes it very difficult to compare. Right, but that was a very, very, very wild turn of events. Yeah. So the most newsworthy thing that happened in the world of UConn women's basketball is the football coach got fired. (laughs) Honestly. I mean, we're getting to the point where we at least have stuff to start looking forward to. So the schedule usually comes out in like mid-September. The men just released their non-conference schedule. I don't know. I, I feel like news isn't coming for a couple weeks. I don't have any inside info on that. That's just like my hunch is that like, we're not going to get anything for a little bit. So, I mean, it's just, it's, this is the quiet point in yeah. the season. It's really just, there's not a whole lot going on. We finished <laughs> our, uh, our summer workout stories even like writing the last of those, it's like this already feels so outdated and they haven't even gotten back on campus yet. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping we get something like maybe we get to talk to Gino in September because then we'll eventually get to first night. I'm assuming they have first night. I can't imagine they wouldn't. I mean, then we start really getting to the regular season or getting towards the regular season. But yeah, it's just, it's very tough to write the weekly right now because usually I try and like springboard off of something that happens and that has not been possible the last yeah. few weeks. <laughs> it's been a little quiet. That's okay though. <laughs> right. We'll right. Be, it'll all be here soon enough. <laughs> we pick good times to take trips. Yeah, exactly. That is true. So this week I wrote about the best numbers in program history, like which numbers have been worn by the most players that have, you know, had good careers. And 
if you've read it, you, you've, you know what I'm talking about. So in the lead up to it, I was saying how UConn retired Rebecca's Lobo, Rebecca Lobo's number when she got in tried into the hall of fame, which if you're going to retire a number, that seems like a pretty good barrier to entry. The only problem is that UConn's going to have probably a good amount of players in the hall of fame. So Diana Taurasi, I wrote, I should, in the story, I said that Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird are locks. Brianna Stewart is probably going to get there as long as she continues playing. I think a four or five year career, whatever she's at right now, just might be a little tough. And I said, Maya Moore is probably in. I think she's going to be in. She should get in. She just might, the longevity just might be a little bit of an issue. And again, Megan was like, my God, how can you be this stupid two weeks in a row? Like just honestly, like quit, just go home. (laughs) So um, yeah, again, Megan just brutally disagrees with me on Another thing in regards to Maya Moore and Brianna Stewart's Hall of Fame statuses. Yeah, I mean, I think Maya Moore is a lock. It, I don't care that she's only played eight seasons in the WNBA. She won four championships in eight seasons. She was an MVP, like five-time first team. She, she, she's a lock. She's on that like the list of also the WNBA. Just put out the list, like 25, top 25 players um for the 25th anniversary she's on that list she's a lock and then also I think Brianna Stewart could literally retire tomorrow and be in the hall of fame like she's already won everything there is to win she's she's in the hall of fame too (laughs) I like I don't disagree but I'm more just trying to get into the head of a hall of fame voter and I really don't know how it works with basketball and mostly baseball is my point of reference because like baseball writers literally get off on trying to find ways not to put people in the hall of fame so if this was the baseball hall of fame, I think, and Brianna Stewart retired tomorrow, there would be like 30 old dudes who were like, Oh no, he didn't play as long. She didn't play as long as this one player from 1932. So you know what? She doesn't deserve to get in. Um, I have absolutely no idea if that's the same case with the basketball hall of fame. It's just tough because we haven't seen a UConn player get in because of basketball. Rebecca Lobo got in, I think, as a contributor. So it was basketball announcing everything else that she's done strictly in terms of basketball, Diana Taurasi or Sue bird are going to be the first ones, whichever one gets to the eligibility hurdle first. I feel like we're probably going to get a better sense when that comes around what it is like. Yeah. I, I think Maya Moore is a pretty easy lock because you can't use like a character clause on Maya Moore, obviously. And if you're really going to argue that Maya Moore didn't play long enough because she stopped playing to help free a guy from prison, I don't think you're going to make a ton of friends with that argument. And yeah, I mean, Brianna Stewart could retire tomorrow. Brianna Stewart is definitely not retiring tomorrow. I can break that news on this podcast. I, I don't think that one needs to stay under embargo. Brianna Stewart is not retiring tomorrow. So she could like at the very least, she's probably still going to play like seven more years probably longer because she's Brianna Stewart and normal rules don't seem to apply to her. But yeah, I I agree that Brianna Stewart eventually is going to be a hall of fame lock. I just think it might be a little tough to put her in with five professional years, but I mean, yeah, strictly in terms of resume, throwing out the years for both of those players, they each have the resume to get in, which is what it should be. The hall of fame is just weird though. Every hall of fame is weird. (laughs) I still think she's in, though. I don't think it's much of a question. Even if she did retire tomorrow, I don't think there would be much of a question. 
I mean, I again, I would vote and put them in. That seems like a pretty easy one. Yeah, I actually didn't realize that Rebecca Lobo was known as a contributor, so for like her playing career, but also other things she does. But I feel like another UConn name that could be thrown into that mix in that pool is going to be Renee Montgomery, like a few Ooh, years from now. That's a good one. Yeah, I could see her being in for that. She's just she's doing so much right now. I don't really understand how, like how she does what she does with the number of hours in the day. But <laughs> I was I was just gonna say I see Renee Montgomery's name everywhere from like different people. Like I'll see like some random guy that I follow for like Patriots news tweet about Renee Montgomery. And I'm like, how is this connected? And then like, I click on the link and it's like, Oh, she's doing this thing, which is connected to this thing. Like I'm not unconvinced that Raymond Renee Montgomery doesn't have a twin that she's never told. anyone. About. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like there's some people, obviously a lot of players are like, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do when my basketball career ends. Renee Montgomery was like, I just need my friggin' basketball career to be over so I can start doing some stuff. Like, it's yeah. just, I mean, I guess when the amount of time that it takes to be a professional athlete and the amount of work that it is transitioning into something that doesn't totally suck. Like, let's be honest, being a professional athlete, like, sounds great, but it, it can't be the most fun, like, all the workouts and the training and it's it doesn't seem like a very fun lifestyle when you're treating it as seriously as she did as the best athletes in the world do because your entire life is about this one thing so it seems like maybe she like obviously has that same energy load and is just putting it into different things that she enjoys instead of just kind of grinding through the life of a professional athlete yeah that's fair i agree for once today so, i agree with you i know wow breaking news <laughs> megan respects my opinion write it down it's 904 on a wednesday night obviously everything i've said has been in jest megan has been much more cordial in telling me that i'm stupid which is fine because megan is significantly smarter than me and i'm fine admitting that anyways i would like your take on this so i'm a red sox fan and if you follow the Red Sox, you know that more or less the entire roster is on the COVID IL and a lot of vaccinated guys are on the COVID IL. And instead of games being postponed, like they would have last year, all these games are happening because of vaccinations. And I'm going to say this just as a disclaimer, the vaccines are good and you should get vaccinated and the vaccines save lives. And the more people that are vaccinated, the better. And because games were games were getting postponed last year because you didn't have a way of stopping transmission if someone in a program tested positive. That is no longer a thing. Everyone in UConn women's basketball program, at least the players are vaccinated. I, without knowing, it really feels like everyone in the program, all the support staff is probably vaccinated. I think it's more than possible this year that there's a breakthrough case in the team or maybe multiple breakthrough cases, as we saw with Gino Auriemma last year, Gino Auriemma tested positive and nobody else got knocked out because of that. Whereas if that happened earlier in the season, there's a very good chance that some of the coaching staff, the entire coaching staff, some players, they all get thrown into quarantine. I mean, the entire team could have gotten thrown into quarantine and ended their NCAA tournament run if he wasn't vaccinated, potentially. We don't know. But I think it's possible that there are maybe some breakthrough cases or maybe it spreads a little bit because things are more open up, the players are back in in-person classes on campus, mingling in society, which again, very good things that should be happening. 
but I kind of have a feeling like COVID might actually wreak a little more havoc on the season just because players might be missing games because they test positive and they could be completely asymptomatic or have very mild symptoms. But if they test positive, they might be knocked out for a few games. So UConn might not have, Oh God, I really don't want to make it sound like I'm throwing anyone under the bus. (laughs) I'm just, I'm strictly using this player as an example, but they might not have Paige Beckers for a game or two because she tests positive and has to quarantine or they might not have Avina Westbrook for a game or two, or they might not have who's Paige living with. I want to say Paige is living with Kristen and Dorka. So they might not have those three for a game because obviously all that. So I just wonder if it's going to be a little different this year with UConn's playing games with positive tests and those players just aren't going to be there. And I think that's not just a UConn issue. I think that's going to be an issue throughout the entire country. And I think some teams are going to have a more of a problem with it than others. I think as we saw last year that UConn was really, really vigilant on staying within their bubbles, not interacting with the outside world, being really good about keeping the virus out. And obviously they did a really good job of it because the only one that tested positive in the program throughout was Gino who was vaccinated and can't really get mad at Gino for vaccinating. Cause there's no one you can yell at him for or two. I guess you could to the athletic director, but like in the program. And then I probably still, still shouldn't say who it is, but you know, the individual in the program who <laughs> tested positive, that wasn't a player or a trainer or a support staff member or anyone else. Yeah, I just feel like we might actually have some COVID absences this year that we didn't have last year when the game just simply would have gotten postponed for 10 days or 14 days, whatever it was. And really just, I think that might be an issue across all sports. We haven't seen it with the football team yet, I don't think, but I don't know. I It's just, or maybe they'll just have to end up going back into a bubble and it'll affect other programs and not UConn. But I'm just a little worried about what this season might look like based on the way things are trending. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to come down to a lot of things. I think partially it's going to, like, if that does happen, like, it's just going to make, like, seeding the NCAA tournament a nightmare because you're going to be looking at all these games where this team didn't have this player, this team didn't have this player. It's going to all be a disaster. But aside from that, like, I think it's going to depend on what the testing protocols are. I don't, like, obviously we haven't really heard anything on that for basketball at this point. I don't know, like, what the deal is with football, like, how often they are, aren't being tested. I don't know what the deal is there. So I think that's going to play a big part in like how much it affects. But I do think that, I mean, obviously like regardless, like having the vaccines and the fact that people aren't going to be really sick from if they do catch it is like the right way to go. So it'll be interesting to see how it impacts the games. I'm thankful that we are covering a team that's in Connecticut. So the issues are probably going to be a lot less here than they are going to be at some schools in the South. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to travel to South Carolina. <laughs> I don't. I can't say that one's number one on my list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, I mean, hopefully by the time the Final Four comes around, things are more under control just so like we can go to the Final Four and actually have fun and not just let's go there and sit in our hotel rooms and go to the game and then sit in our hotel rooms and go to the game. And I'm not going to put in a disclaimer here that if UConn makes the final four, UConn's making the final four. I don't care. They could have a starting lineup of walk-ons out there and they'd figure out how to get to the final four. I'm not worried. Yeah. I'm not worried either, but yeah, I, if we are like at, I can't really imagine we're being in a state where we can't like go to the final four and enjoy the final four by May. 
or by April. If we are, like, <laughs> someone should probably come check on me because I will probably have gone insane. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was talking with someone the other day. I just, I can't do another year of Zoom coverage. Like, I, I realized to the listener, this may sound completely irrelevant, but just so you know, coverage can be so much better when we're not on Zoom. I'm going to highlight my Avina Westbrook personality stories. If you haven't read that, you should, because Avina Westbrook is very funny and talked about the personalities of every player on the team. That is something that would have not happened last year with Zoom, because I would have asked those questions and then every single person and their mothers would have written that same story. That's what you get when you can be in person. And, you know, human interaction, I found, is actually generally a good thing. Shocking, I know. <laughs> yeah um, i'm looking forward to be back in person at games i'm like still really looking forward to actually seeing Paige beckers play in person because that is not something that has happened yet so yeah I'm that's, looking forward to that <laughs> that's i mean if that arkansas game is at full capacity it's going to be insane it's i, I <laughs> like that crowd is going to be filled like an hour before the game it's going to be like when this isn't a perfect example, but like the couple of times that college game day or whatever it was came to UConn for men's basketball games mm-hmm. and like the entire student section would be full at 9 a.m. I kind of feel like that's what it's going to be like. Yeah, It's uh, that one's going to be so much fun. I can't wait. Like I, I need that to be full capacity. Yeah, I like I'm very much ready to be back in a full arena, even though I realized that it might not be that safe. <laughs> I still want it to happen. Right. See, like I went to the UConn football game on Saturday and I felt more than comfortable because UConn football invented social distancing. So like, it's not like I had to get that close to anyone. It's not like I was packed in. And even like the, the national team games at the rent, like numbers were in a way different spot at that point. So indoor is a little trickier, but I hope. Yeah. I hope. I hope so too. Yeah. I feel like generally outside it's more comfortable, but agreed. I mean, I'll be going either way, let's be honest, but <laughs> hopefully it'll feel safe at the time. Maybe they should play the games outside. Set up a court in uh, <laughs> uh, the soccer stadiums, just a little small because that only seats 4,000 or something. Yeah. And Wrenchler Field's just a little too big. Yeah. I, I'm I feel like if like, they, pl- yeah, it would be hard to see, but I'm like, I yeah. think if they put them at Wrenchler Field, they would fill it. <laughs> They, they certainly feel it more than the football team does. <laughs> well, yeah, that's not a very high bar. No. <laughs> well, maybe if you put the court on like one side, so it was closer to one side than the other, then most of your seats could be on one side. And then if you sell those out, you just start filling up the rest of the your, the <laughs> stadium and figure it out from there. Uh, yeah. oh, <laughs> I, I went to Stanford one day when I was out in California and the thing that really blew my mind was their like swimming facilities are outside. Oh, really? Just the thing that always confused me in California was that they live in a world where you don't need to account for winter. And that is very bizarre to me or bugs. <laughs> yeah. Different world. <laughs> Literally. I, I just, I, I really can't, it, it really broke my brain a couple times that <laughs> like they just leave doors wide open like they had a uh i I stayed with my aunt aunt and uncle i should preface that they had like a courtyard kind of thing and they literally just left the door open the entire day so that their cat could go out and it's like okay if i did this at home like we would have an entire family of bees 
mosquitoes, <laughs> flies, and moths taking up residence in every single room of the house. And it would take, like, you'd never get all of them out. They would just yeah. be permanently <laughs> renters, free renters in your house. Yeah, I feel like I don't even leave the windows open and I still constantly am buttoning spiders and everything else that gets through my old windows in the cracks. Oh, so yeah. oh yeah, there's, <laughs> there's bugs everywhere in my house and I don't really know what to do about it. You just, you just accept them as friends and move on. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on my ability to kill them without freaking out entirely. <laughs> they just have an, we have an understanding that you stay out of my bed and we're all good. <laughs> If I find you in my bed, you will be brutally murdered. <laughs> I feel like if I know there's a spider in my room, I'm not going to bed until it is dead. <laughs> uh, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I Just a world without bugs. It's crazy. I mean, there they only have the existential threat of uh, fire potentially burning down everything they own. So yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the trade-off, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's smoky the entire summer. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely live without that part. So I guess yeah, no, I... good to everything. Right. I'll take my chances with winter. Yeah. <laughs> That'll do it for our return of Chasing Perfection. I guess we can call this season two now, right? We've had a nice little yeah. break. We actually, a couple days ago, I was going through all our numbers to uh, send it for a thing. That's descriptive. Um, <laughs> a couple of days ago, I was just going through old episodes, charting numbers. And we only just recently went by the year point of Chasing Perfection, the one year anniversary. I think it was sometime during our hi- hiatus. I don't remember exactly when, but one year of Chasing Perfection. That means one year of me messing up things and having to go back and edit it out. And you don't actually hear that because I have that power. One year of Megan thinking without saying that I'm really stupid. <laughs> one year of, I don't know, is there anything else that we've been doing for one year? One year of me calling schools that I have a problem with. They're saying that schools that again, here, here's where we get of where I don't know what I'm saying. And I just start uh, gibberishing. Um, one year of me saying certain schools don't exist this year. We're going with Syracuse. So that's the theme of the year. <laughs> Am I missing anything else important of our, our one year anniversary of having chasing perfection up and running? I don't think you are. I think that's all of it. <laughs> one year hopefully year two will be a lot better than year one because that means we'll be in person at things and we'll actually be at the games along with the rest of you assuming you live in the area yes in 66 days home openers in 66 days 66 days we can start the countdown (laughs) yeah we've gotten to the end of the summer previously it was okay i don't want to wish the summer away now i mean we can get to october like september is kind of boring if we're being honest (laughs) at least october we start getting leaves apple cider apple cider donuts fall stuff yeah i mean that stuff comes in september my house is already decorated like it's fall i hit september 1st i'm like (laughs) it's fall (laughs) wait you you posted something very cool in your house but i don't remember what it was was it your how did you already put up halloween decorations is that what it is yep (laughs) i already know what i'm going for Oh, wait. Yeah, I, I have already actually I've known what I've been going for for Halloween for two years now because I was going to go um, same thing last year. And then there were no Halloween parties, um, you know, assuming that someone invites me to one, which is really kind of pushing it. Um, I'm, I'm very I'm very happy with my decision to go as Ted Lasso. 
choice. I don't know what I'm going to be this year yet. I was Brianna Stewart last year, so I had to figure out how to top that. I don't know. That one was very good. Yeah. That was excellent. <laughs> my only concern is, do I attempt to grow my own mustache? Or do I just go and buy a fake mustache and acknowledge that I'm just not there in my life? I feel like the fake one is probably the way to go. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I was thinking was that it would kind of parlay very nicely into Movember. <laughs> Anyways, that'll do it for us. Thanks for listening. <laughs>